Well, welcome, friends, to another episode of the Faith Awakens podcast, episode 35. This is Father Tom Hennon, your university chaplain, and joined, as I am always, for this podcast by my co-host. Megan Grady, a Pew Campus minister, and I don't know, a student studying for finals right now, <laughs> I guess you could say. There you go, studying for finals and, uh, you know, kind of a short timer, you know. I know that's yeah. kind of a sad thought, but uh, sad. wrapping up the first semester of your senior year, and I know today you had your capstone for your history major, so I was thinking we could talk about that a little bit. So um, I was uh, in a meeting this morning and wanted to try to catch it because I was invited to watch those along with a number of other faculty, and, and I only caught like the last, I don't know, 10 minutes of it, which was mostly just you answering questions. But from what it sounded like, it went well. I hope you felt the same. And um, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about what your topic was um, and, uh, and how that experience went today. Yeah, um, so this is something that, for people that don't know, uh, senior history majors, I'm a history education major, but I'm still technically a history major and an education major, so I still had to participate in this, but um, senior history majors have to pick a topic um, the spring, usually, well, for education, since I'm student teaching in this spring, um, I had to start my capstone last spring, um, but usually it's the semester before um, your final uh, semester. Um, so for me, it was last spring and then this fall um, because of student teaching. But you um, have to, as a history major, pick a topic um, to research. And um, you do a bunch of research during the spring or whenever you're doing um, taking that class. And then the next semester, you start writing a uh, 15 to 20 page paper about that topic. And um, at the end of the semester, you uh, present to the faculty, the history faculty, and whoever wants to um, come to the stream. Well, this year's is a stream. Usually we have it in the Skyleaf Conference Center. Um, I went last year and a couple of friends presenting um, just to see, you know, what it was all about. But yeah, so that's basically what and, it was. And I have to tell um, you, just so you, you you know what to expect, uh, so I remember doing this my senior year as well because I was a history major and had to do a yeah, – Yeah, I was going to ask. Something, yeah, so I did a, I did a, a thing on a, a, a – kind of wanted to do something with local history, so I did – uh, something on the history of the Friendly House, which was kind of a, a local institution here that uh, educated people in various ways. And honestly, um, this is what I'm preparing you for. I don't remember much at all from that. <laughs> I did it. I got it done. Um, I could have answered all sorts of questions at the time when I presented it, I'm sure. But if you ask me now, I, it's gone. It's gone. And so um, maybe your maybe your memory is better than that, but um, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So of course now it's fresh on your brain because you just presented on it this morning. So I want to hear it while it's fresh. Okay. Well, um, so a lot of my um, peers, like a lot of my friends in this class, picked um, something very like. I guess you would say historical, which sounds confusing because it is a history capstone. Um, they would pick, um, one person did, um, Queen Elizabeth. Um, another person did the history 
of York um, and the Viking, uh, you know, invasions, and which were all amazing and interesting. Um, I got some really good advice from my friend uh, Sarah Kalaki, who graduated last year. Um, I asked her what I should pick, you know, just like offhand, just been like, oh, what should I research? And she's like, well, make sure you pick something that you really, really like because you're going to spend a lot of time with it. So I was thinking, um, I've always been interested in the history of like women's rights and um, all that kind of stuff, just the progress women have made over the years. So, and I'm like, Ooh, what can I do that I'm really invested in um, then and pair it with my project? And I ended up uh, pairing it with women's track and field, um, which I know a lot about uh, because I am a, (laughs) I've been running, I've been running for track and field for 10 years. Uh, So I did um, the history of patriarchal biases of women's track and field. So uh, that basically is, and it's funny you say that you don't remember anything about it because I'm starting to lose. Uh, I spoke so coherently this morning. It was so good. Like, I don't think it could have gone any better. Um, But now I'm like struggling. So I have my notes pulled up um, to help. But so um, basically uh, I analyzed within track and field the patriarchal biases um, and its negative effects on the policy and policing of women. Um, The my main points were the early restrictions. um, Women's track and field were uh, based on fraudulent medical information so a lot of early doctors believed that if a woman were to run um, there would be really big um, negative uh, physical impacts including things like uh, developing they believed women who ran track and field would develop um, masculine features whatever the heck Mm -hmm. that means and um, uh, and also uh, infertility they were really worried that Mm -hmm. If women were to run um, or participate in events in track and field, they would uh, not be able to have children, which uh, at the time was a really central part of society wanting and almost pressuring women to um, get married and have children. So uh, looking at that aspect and then my second one, my second point was regarding the um, sex and gender testing, gender verification tests that were administered. Um, so as more and more athletes became to com- like enter track and field to compete at these high levels, executives within the sport like kind of became skeptical, thinking, oh, these women can't actually be women. They have to be men. Um, they can't be that good. So they started to um, implement these gender tests, gender verification tests, um, that evolved from uh, so much as a nude parade, as they called it, so women would come in naked in front of a panel of doctors, hmm. um, to an internal exam where it's exactly what you think uh, a doctor examining uh, athlete, and then um, chromosome tests, um, which was a swab of the inside of the cheek. Mm-hmm. Um, and so any athlete that did not meet the set criteria, so it could be anything from a uh, you know, a bar body test that doesn't come back exactly right. Um, hmm. and, and in the early days going off of appearance, you know, there was some speculation on that. Um, a, a lot of women, 
uh, were tested and some, you know, they didn't like what they saw and they, you know, revoked their records and um, took their medals back. So it was just kind of the implications on that. Um, then I went on to talk about the media attention surrounding track and field, the negative stereotypes in the media. Um, they would often, reporters would discuss, like, uh, the weight and the appearance of female athletes before even getting to, like, what they've done um, athletically, which is so weird to me um, because who cares if how much you weigh? Uh, you just want a gold medal. You know, I don't know why they felt the need to um, mention those things. And then um, they were obsessed with this, like, housewife image. So, like, if a woman was a mother, and um, in one case, Fanny Blankers-Cohen, she's a, a multiple-time gold medalist, they did an article on her, and they only focused on her as a mother and not that she had just won all these gold medals. I believe she won, like, four. Mm-hmm. Um and talking about how she was an obedient wife and mother and did all these things, which is great. I, that is a great, you know, um, being a mother is like one of the highest achievements, you know, uh, but it wasn't her only achievement and they made it seem like that was it. And actually took, did a lot of, uh, gave a lot of credit to uh, her husband rather than to her. Um, so it was just kind of interesting looking at that. And then uh, I've, closed out with the african-american experience so with all these factors white women were affected but african-american women were affected even more so um they felt a lot of the brunt of these factors so um just a lot of racist uh stereotypes in the media and um describing these women um over over sexualizing these women in the media and um yeah just talking about how um different athletes dealt with that and stuff so so there you go that's a little question that's a lot and uh it was a lot it's uh i what i like though is that it does um kind of overlaps your interests obviously you're an athlete and a runner so you know there you were passionate about that um being passionate about uh, the history of women's rights and then there's this whole race aspect of it that kind of layers over the top of it too that you brought out so that's yeah, that's that's good integration, in my opinion. Like, you know, that's that's what a liberal arts education should do, right? Is kind of pull yeah. together these different things and see where they where they overlap, and and that's something I hope we try to do well here at the university, so we don't just kind of get siloed in our one particular thing. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess I didn't look carefully what the other topics were that were presented, but it seems to me that that topic, like I say, probably does a, a better job than most in terms of overlapping disciplines um whereas the others could be kind of more straight up oh here's the interesting history of this thing that happened right um yeah yeah so in 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 ways you know someone else could pick up something like this and take it in a different direction in terms of sociology or psychology or uh women and gender studies and that kind of stuff and, and that kind of thing too so um, yeah. Where I caught the the conversation at the end of your presentation, I, there, there were some interesting questions that were coming at you. Um, I think there it was were. one by one of the philosophy professors, uh, Doctor yep, Tad. But he was. Um, I think it is an interesting question, and I was thinking of it too today because I heard on, I was listening to the radio, and they were talking about this story about the uh, U.S. women's soccer team today. That there was some mm-hmm. ruling; they didn't get everything that they wanted in terms of equal pay for equal play. Uh, there's still room there 
but there was uh, a move in the right direction, it was felt, um, in, in a ruling that came down today in terms of their um, competition and practice facilities and uh, hotel you know, accommodations and things like that because they were not on par with uh, how the men were being treated, even though the women have competed at a much higher level and have been, I don't know how many mm-hmm. times, world champions and, and world cup champions, exactly. that kind of thing. So, but the, you know, the, the, I was thinking of that on, on one level and then also thinking of, well, this question that, um, that uh, was asked, uh, that Dr. Rutnick asked in your presentation, like, will we get to a point or should we get to a point? Um, what are the upsides, downsides of possibly getting to a point where, especially for, for some sports like track and field, there's there's just track and field, um, you know. There's 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 not men's and women's, you know. Um, and I don't know. In my own wrestling with it, part of me thinks there's some merit in that. Um, certainly, you know, you reference even some of the races that you ran as a kid, where you were beating out a number of boys, which I have no doubt, you know. Um, so you were mm-hmm. competitive, right? Uh, um, on the other hand, you, I asked myself, like, but would this end up? I guess would it would it keep some women from the sport too, in the sense that I don't know. They're, I don't know. That's a, that's a question. So, yeah. yeah, no, it is. And when Tad asked that question, well, first of all, when he unmuted his mic and started talking, I was like, Oh shoot. Cause I've had Tad as a teacher and he's a great philosophy teacher, but just philosophy is not my strong suit. So uh-huh. I remember being in his class and like him asking me questions. I'm like, Oh my gosh, please just give me an answer to my question. I don't know. You know, philosophy is just it's kind of cool in that way so where you know you can pull it in a bunch of different directions but sometimes that would frustrate me so um mm-hmm. but when he asked that question I was like that is a very valid uh question and um you know I opened my presentation talking and end my presentation talking about um Olympic champion Castor Semenya and how um the World Athletics Association is barring her to compete because she is. Uh, she was born intersex, um, and they believe her uh, naturally higher production of testosterone, something that she was born with, mm-hmm. um, uh, is an unfair advantage. And they're either telling you, "Hey, you can either um, take these uh, drugs to suppress those uh, testosterone levels, or you can move up to an event that you've hardly ever run in your life, the five thousand. Um, I believe the 5,000 meters they would make her move up to, um, which, uh, you know, being a runner, a half mile versus three, 3.1 miles, that's a lot, you know, yeah. for anyone, especially for someone that specialized in the 800 meters her whole life. Um, so kind of looking at that and thinking about, you know, where do we go in the future, um, you know, there's always, there's always been women, um, up there with men that's not out of the question you Mm -hmm. know there's always been men and women competing in some race you know uh some hometown 5k where or even you know in these marathons um you know so it's not out of the question that women wouldn't be able to compete would they be at the top immediately i don't know you know i don't know um every woman that's going to be you know on that olympic roster if that happens but um i do think over time you know, women could be more competitive. Uh, do I think we're there yet at a point where we can do that yet? No, because I think there's a lot of things um, socially and within these organizations um, that need to be fixed. 
um, including a lot of the bias uh, in the leadership in those organizations. Um, we saw with the women's soccer team uh, how they've been struggling to get, you know, their uh, equal pay and um, all those demands met. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are just like, you know, take what they give you, you know, kind mm-hmm. of settle. But, I mean, I don't get why they should have to settle, you know. Um, so, yeah, yeah, just I don't know if that made any sense, but um, just yeah. some of this stuff. Uh, not there yet, but I think I think it's totally reasonable that we could get there. Well, and there's another layer of this, and uh, that I'll bring in, or that I've thought a little bit about, and that is, I mean, and I, I mean, I approach everything really kind of from a perspective of of faith, and even my anthropology, you know, who I understand the human person to be, what a human being is, right, is obviously um, built upon and, and colored by that that understanding of faith, and so. Part of that Christian anthropology that I happen to adhere to is that, you know, human beings are bodies and souls, not not souls, you know, kind of inhabiting a, a, a body like a sleeve or a container, you know, but like your body is part of who you are and your soul is part of who you are. And, and, and our bodies do matter and our bodies are different from one to another and from mm-hmm. one sex to another. And and so how do we fairly accommodate for those differences and acknowledge them for what they are, you know, without um, kind of, um, well, yeah, just how do we fairly accommodate for that, I guess? That's the question, you know? Yeah. Um, because, I mean, I, okay, I'm thinking of like uh, like a ridiculous example probably would be um, Olympic-level weightlifting. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. w- would we ever see a day when men and women are competing on equal footing in an event like that? I don't know, but my hunch would be probably not because there are some physiological differences like upper body strength and things like that. Maybe I'm wrong there, but, you know, that we have to at least acknowledge, you know. Um, so that's that's where, and that's where I get uh, the question too about like, okay, if we just kind of, eliminate those those differences or eliminate those um you know if we if we cease to have women's sports as women's sports and men's sports as men's sports but just have sports um will that have the unintended and i think unfair consequence potentially in some sports of actually driving women further away from these things instead of inviting them to participate in them but that's an open question i have but yeah, no, and that's a that's a big that is the question of the day, you know, that I was um asked today is should we get rid of those? Um and I guess my answer is like I don't know, but is it possible? I think it could be. Um and uh I think there's a lot of things about the human body that we don't know, and I think sometimes we're relying on information um that was discovered a long time ago, so I think there's always room to change. Um those you know medical beliefs and stuff because i there's a lot you know we don't know about uh human beings as a whole and we're finding new different things about them every day obviously i'm not a doctor i'm not Mm -hmm. in the medical field i'm like like literally my major is probably the farthest from the lewis uh building (laughs) uh where they do all the labs and stuff so um literally so actually no it's pretty close to be honest if you think about it, but that's about all we have in common here. But, um, I think it's, I think it's not out of the question that, um, we learn new things, 
about women and about men and how we're similar and also yeah. different. But I mean, um, I, I think there are certainly some differences, especially in the past, and probably your paper brought that out, that were obviously exaggerated, or especially in terms of like oh, yeah. like body type and things like that. I mean, um, that can vary from person to person, regardless to gender, quite a bit, you know. Um, so, so I, I think some of those kind of, you know, overgeneralizations or categorizations, I can see where that needs to go by the wayside or, or has in some cases in, in, in mm-hmm. you know, positive ways, but still there's that, you know, there's still some of those questions kind of hovering over it. And, and I think maybe, maybe with certain sports like track and field, there is more of an opportunity for that kind of thing to happen than in other sports, frankly, um, um, and, and maybe that's already, you know, a start, you know, or I think of, uh, you know, or maybe there's the option to participate at, I just think that was in the news too recently, this, um, this, uh, woman, uh, kicker for Vanderbilt university who played in a, in a, uh, yeah, I did college see that. Football yeah. game. so, and, and the first woman to do so at that level of college football, um, place kicker, you know, kick the, 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 the opening kickoff. Okay. Not, you know, it was in some ways a very small thing, but a very big thing in another way, you know. Um, but or you think way back in the past when was that 1960s or 70s, Billie Jean King um, in tennis, you know, uh, defeating, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So exactly, I mean, yeah. So there's certainly, uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Let's just face it. You could run the pants off me, so <laughs> because. Uh, but you've been training a lot too, so. Yeah, no. Uh, I am a casual no. runner at best, but. Um, yeah. But I also think, yeah, I think those are good examples too, and I think those women were given the chance to prove that, and and they did, and maybe you know you take the, um, there are races in the United States at least that I know of that. Um, our co-ed and you know uh there was a hundred mile race um gosh i can't remember the athlete's name but a woman won it the whole thing won the hundred mile race um there were plenty of men in the race so it's it's interesting when women have that shot um to prove themselves uh mm-hmm. you know uh what uh what the outcome is on, on there so yeah well, interesting stuff. And like I say, I, I love kind of looking at these kind of topics from all sorts of different angles, um, you know, philosophy, theology, anthropology, um, you know, gender, athletics, history, you know, and just seeing how all of that overlaps. It's kind of cool. So um, what else is going on? Um, I, I, besides I'm, that, yeah. Besides that, uh, we're in Advent now. Uh, Happy Advent. We had the first Sunday of Advent this last Sunday, uh, which, as I always, I mean, um, you know, you know know me, I like to observe Advent. Um, I I don't want to anticipate too much Christmas, just partly because it seems like the secular world around us does that. Um, very early on, and uh, but I know you are a Christmas junkie. Uh, I so, am. Um, but I'm telling you, your Christmas will even be better if you can kind of keep some aspect of Advent in these next few weeks, and then it'll just be like, ah, Christmas is here, instead of like, oh yeah, Christmas started after Halloween. I'm I'm over and done with it. So, right. No, I think I think we need Christmas now more than ever. At least yes. me personally, <laughs> I need Christmas now more than ever. Like. After I ran, I usually don't start. I mean, I start on November first, 
our family, I should say our, my family does, but um, I really don't start until I run my last cross country race, um, which was conference mm-hmm. um, just cause I want to stay focused on that. But like after that, I was like, I'm listening to Christmas music. I'm going all out. And I think even more so now that, um, you know, with the uh, pandemic going on, but um, this morning was watching my good buddies on the Today Show. I'm also a Today Show junkie. I don't know if you knew that. But uh, Al Roker's my man. But so they uh, had said that um, a vaccine, you know, is is getting really, really, really close. Um, so that's very hopeful. But still going into this Christmas season, not really um, anticipating any family gatherings. I think you can kind of agree with that. It's just kind of like, eh, yeah, sad. Yeah, I uh I did uh, for Thanksgiving I did the best I could basically to kind of govern myself and quarantine myself for a couple of weeks before I went to go to my sister and brother-in-law and my brother-in-law has some health issues that we want to be careful with and so I was being extra careful and they've been extra careful during this whole time. I've only seen them twice in this whole thing and once was and both times were outdoors like out in their driveway. Once was uh, uh Memorial Day back in May and once was Labor Day in September when I could get down there for part of a day for part of an afternoon. And so then I went ahead and got got tested the Monday before Thanksgiving, got my result back on Tuesday, was negative, and then went down to my hometown for for Thanksgiving. And boy, that was nice. But that was about as much as we could probably do, you know, like three of us. And it still gave my sister an excuse enough to cook a full Thanksgiving meal, for which I was extremely grateful and did my very best to uh, make sure they didn't have too many leftovers by the time I left. So... Oh, yeah. Um, and, of course, she sent me home with cookies and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, very good. It was very good. But uh, Christmas, it'll be interesting. We'll see where we're at, you know. I I mean, I think, pan, you know, in terms of the pandemic and vaccine and stuff like that, it's still going to be kind of rocky. It's going to be rocky for a while yet. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I think uh, we'll we'll wait and see where that all goes. But um, in the meantime, there's there's no shortage of good viewing right now. Um, I, I will not uh, belabor the point that you have not caught up on The Mandalorian. I will just say that yeah, the most yeah, recent whatever. episode, mm-hmm. episode five, season two, knocked <sighs> it out of the park. It is fantastic. They had referenced that Ahsoka Tana would be coming back, and she does. And uh, it's not a big spoiler because they introduce her within the first yeah. few seconds of this new episode. And uh, she kicks butt. Um, and then uh, there's also, they drop a name of a villain, a great villain in uh, Star Wars lore that uh, is uh, due to make an appearance. And I just thought, oh, this is so good. So, yeah, it's it's great. It's great. Can't get enough of it. So I've, I've already watched the most recent episode twice. I may do, a, do so a third time if I can squeeze in the time for it before the new new episode drops on Friday. Yeah. I have two I have two recommendations for you okay. and our listeners that I've been watching. Um and I should be watching The Mandalorian, but I'm waiting for I'll just say I'm waiting for my sister to get done with finals. Okay. We can watch it together. Yeah. Because this this time of year it's all about togetherness. I mean yes. I guess not this 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 year, but um within your pod it's all yeah. about togetherness. So, um uh but I did look up um that uh i can't say her name right soka soka tano soka tano and she looks great and looks almost exactly like the animated um her animated version um mm-hmm. so it's kind of cool how they were able to do that 
Um, I think Rosario Dawson plays her. I looked up. Also, um, incidentally, uh, Senator Cory Booker's girlfriend. But yep, I was just I was just <laughs> gonna say that, but I wasn't sure if we were gonna do that like a, like a little fun thing. But I almost said it because um, I just think that's so random. But um, uh, anyway, so I've been uh, watching um, uh, during sometimes. You know, the weather's not great, so I hop on my mom's um, bike. Um, and I'm like so bored out of my mind and I hate going on the bike, especially, um, we do uh, 10 minutes equals one mile. So, um, I will, uh, go if I have seven miles at 70 minutes on the bike. Oh, uh, wow. So, a lot. so yeah. um, I get bored really quickly. So I started watching, it's called Dash and Lily hmm. and it's on Netflix and it's kind of a love story. Um, brief synopsis is this girl um, writes down a bunch of clues in a notebook and hides it in her favorite section of her favorite bookstore. And then this guy finds it and he's following all the clues and they write back and forth and leave the notebook different places. It's really cute. Um, For those of you listening, if you're not sold yet, the Jonas brothers are in it and Nick Jonas produced it. Um, Father Tom, do you know who the Jonas brothers are? Not really, just kind of barely. I really don't care. That was a that was a joke because I really thought you would know, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, um, I kind of know, but like I I I missed that big time, and I mean I remember like did, my yeah. students in high school when I taught it over at the high school would talk about them, and you know I've done enough like youth stuff that people and I just ha- never had any interest in her, you know. So um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's well that's not a huge okay. selling point um, for me, but I might still check it out. Dash and Lily. Okay, it's really well made. It reminds me of like, um, have you ever watched any films by John Hughes? Uh oh, like um, pretty the, uh, pink and Breakfast Club and yes, yes, yes. Ferris Bueller. Okay, it's yeah. almost it's like it's got that vibe. So I think ah, you might like it. And okay, it's yeah. a, it's a series, so each episode is like twenty-ish minutes. Okay. Um, and then the other thing that I've been watching is The Crown, um, which you need to watch because I think you would really, really I watched like it. Fir- what season is it now? Uh, I watched like the first season two seasons with the five. other queen, and I I can't remember now. I started watching this one, or maybe the previous one, and then I kind of dropped out. Um, yeah, I think I got you. as far as uh, Charles, you know, giving his speech in in Welsh in Wales when he became Prince of Wales, and then the episodes after that, I just kind of dropped out. So I I got yeah. I, I maybe we'll pick that up again. I'm speaking of I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. I skipped the last three episodes in that season because I was like, oh, my gosh. I just want to – because I knew the next season's Princess Diana and Charles and Margaret Thatcher, and I was super invested in that. So if you sk- skip those three episodes, I'm I'm not saying, like, that's a good thing, but I was able to, like, go into the next season and be fine, so – and of course, there's a lot good. of. Uh, I have been seeing stories pop up here and there about controversy about the new season, its factuality, yeah, and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, I but know. the people that are making it are being clear. This is like a, it is fiction. I mean, they're they're imagining fiction, what yeah. what their lives have been like in between these big moments, right? So, um, yeah. I I wanted to sh- throw out too. I I watched, and I think you would like it. Um, there's, you know. This is a recommendation coming from a priest, but there is adult content in it, on it, in it and that is uh, Queen's Gambit. But it was really good. I really, I <gasps> yeah. tore through it. And I thought, no, oh, this my, is like um, Anne with E, only if she were a chess prodigy um, and had a drug problem. So, uh, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and then I thought, oh, well, that's I'm nothing like Anne with an that. E. Anne with an E was so wholesome 
and this is not quite as wholesome, but it was still really intriguing about this uh, this orphan girl who becomes this chess prodigy and um, who is this chess prodigy. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I went through it pretty quick. But. Yeah. My history professor, Dr. Manning, uh, recommended that to me. Uh, so I'll have to watch that. I wanted to watch it the other night, but uh, my sister was like, oh, it seems really depressing. So we might wait a little bit. Uh, it um, is kind of in some moments. I mean, at moments, but, you know, but it's humorous in other moments and it ends really well. So I'll, I'll yeah. say that much. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, I, know. I recommend it. So other than that, I really haven't had a whole lot of time to watch stuff because I've got homework due myself. So, uh, yeah. Just get it done. That's coming from yeah. a procrastinator, but <laughs> just get it done. Yep. Well, I think we have exhausted our time, but uh, good yeah, to catch up with you. Great to hear about your presentation today. Congratulations on finishing your capstone. And uh, good luck with the rest of your finals. Happy Advent. We'll talk again before Christmas for sure. So For sure. Okay. All right. Bring us home, Meg. All right. May the faith be with you. And with your spirit. Happy Advent, everyone. Take care. Stay safe.